Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. Controversial words from the head of an intergovernmental central bank who says fiat has won the battle against crypto. I'm sure some of our viewers would love to debate that point. Plus, the SEC objects to Binance's U.S. move for Voyager and why some $400 billion in Bitcoin remains dormant. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington. I'm joined today by renowned Bitcoiner Jimmy Song. Jimmy, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. It's a pleasure to have you back. We're going to discuss all things Bitcoin in just a moment. But first, let's take a look at price analysis. The total crypto market cap is up 1.3% and back above 1.1 trillion US dollars on coin market cap. Bitcoin is slightly higher for the past 24 hours. It's trading at around $24,000. It remains down some 4% on the last week. According to data from Glassnode cited by Decrypt, nearly 15 million Bitcoin has not been moved for more than six months. That's near an all-time high. The value of that stash is some $370 billion. Analysts Decrypt spoke to say this is a bullish signal. Meanwhile, Ether is up some 2.5% compared to the same time yesterday. It's currently trading at $1,650. Finally, we're looking at Solana. It's up slightly for the past 24 hours. Crypto exchange Coinbase said in a report cited by Coindesk that technologically Solana is well-placed for a comeback due to transaction, user, and development activity. Okay, viewers, join us in the conversation. Put down your questions in the chat for Jimmy. Uh, whenever you're watching, we'll ask the best ones on the show later on air. Remember, Real Vision members take priority, but the good news, of course, is Real Vision crypto is free. With that said, let's bring in our guest, Jimmy Song is a Bitcoin expert, educator, and book author. Jimmy, it's always a pleasure to have you with us on the show. You've been with us here many times. Our audience knows you well, but our audience is always growing. And for those who are not familiar with our work, and for those who are new to this space, tell us a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. I've been a programmer for something like 25 years now. I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I came into this space as a programmer. I've been a programmer. I still program once in a while, uh, you know, open source projects and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I guess I made my name in the Bitcoin space explaining technical things to non-technical people starting uh, around 2017 with a lot of different articles that I've written. Um, I've written four different books, uh, one a hardcore programmer's book, um, another one that's for newbies that don't know anything about Bitcoin, another one for Christians, another one for policymakers, um, all, all about Bitcoin. So that's my background. I've obviously been on shows like yours and uh, you know, I, I enjoy doing conferences and things like that. So that's more or less my background. I'm a coder that somehow you know, got into the space and now I'm on shows like yours. Kind of, kind of weird for me. <laughs> Well, Jimmy, it's great to have you here. We always appreciate it when you come and join us. Uh, you have real insight into this space, into Bitcoin, uh, and into the culture and the technology behind it. What's the current state of play for Bitcoin here in February of 2023? Well, the big thing that's been happening, and we talked about this a little bit before the show, is uh, is Noster. Noster is blowing up, and the number of signups that are happening there are absolutely crazy. And the technically interesting thing about Noster is that it completely reverses uh, sort of the server client model that we've been using on the web for the last 25 years. And uh, if you don't know what that means, basically, if you sign up for Gmail, you, have, you create an account and Google has all of your data. Um, if you sign up for Facebook, you sign up for an account, you have to give them all your personal information, sometimes including a phone number and stuff like that. And 
Facebook has all of your information and everything that you post essentially sits on their database to uh, be analyzed or hacked or whatever. Uh, Noster is very different in that it's, uh, it's based on each individual having their own private key. Uh, so, you know, it, unless somebody gets access to that private key, they can't really post anything and it's based on relays. So you push content and people sort of pull it from them. Now, what does this have to be, do with Bitcoin? The, the big thing about Noster is that it was created by a Lightning developer, Fiat Yap, uh, if, if you've seen him on Twitter. Uh, but also there's a lot of Lightning integration directly integrated into it. Um, and you may have noticed in the last day or so that Twitter has rolled out something called Twitter coins or something like that, where you can sort of tip people with these coins. And if you get enough of these coins, you can cash it out. Um, that's pretty much a direct copy of what Noster's been doing for like the last three months. You have Lightning tipping and you're able to zap people and give them uh, you know, uh, an appreciation in direct Bitcoin, right? It's, uh, you know, sometimes people will tip a lot of money. I, I think there was a post that got $240 worth of Bitcoin, um, some, something like a million sats, uh, just for, you know, posting something interesting. And that, that sort of thing is happening. It's very organic. Uh, a lot of Bitcoiners are on there right now, but, uh, and, you know, people from across the political spectrum, the people that might not have liked Twitter back when, uh, back before Elon and people that might not like Twitter now that Elon's there. So you, you get right. a whole variety. So it's a, it, that's a, a very big thing in Bitcoin right now. And there's a lot of conversation going on over there that you're not going to find on Twitter and so on. Yeah, you know, it seems like one of the few things that folks on the left and folks on the right absolutely agree upon uh, is that big tech is too centralized, has too much power and has the capacity uh, to hamper free speech. Yeah, and free speech is uh, is dying very, very quickly. And you, you kind of saw this during COVID. You saw this uh, with a lot of the election stuff, a lot of, you know, no matter which side you're on, you're, you're probably getting suppressed on something. And right. we all know that Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, but somehow, like, that story doesn't get out anywhere. Uh, but, you know, on Noster, places like that, it's, uh, it's not controlled by the big tech companies. You don't have the CIA sort of sitting in the middle. Um, I, I was reflecting today on how many uh, people sort of have their hands in the cookie jar as far as like what you can post and so on. On Twitter, it's the CIA. It's probably somebody in human resources that's doing trust and safety validation. There's probably some government official that if they object, then they can take your Twitter down, uh, you know, post down and so on. It, it, there's just so many entities that you have to satisfy before you can actually get to your audience. On Noster, you have a direct connection to your audience because it's it's not hosted on a central server. There's no single point of failure. So, um, you know, in in that way, we're we're seeing sort of like the promise of what the web was supposed to be in its original form. Uh, 1992, right, the the whole reason DARPA developed the internet was so that there wouldn't be single points of failure. That if a nuclear bomb dropped on a particular place, that it wouldn't take out the entire infrastructure. That was the original design of the internet. So. We're getting back to the internet that that it was originally designed for. It's just that in the last 25 years, we've had big tech companies that have basically taken over and made it into a completely client server model with themselves in the middle, able to sort of extract value from all of the transactions that you're doing online. And, uh, and that's been a tragedy. It's been to their benefit, obviously, uh, but I think it's been very bad for human freedom. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, one of the things about Noster, as I understand it, which is to say not very well, uh, is that native support for Lightning is built into the network so that it allows you uh, to basically be able to do microtransactions at very low cost uh, and to transact in a truly decentralized way. Talk a little bit about the Lightning integration aspect of Noster and why that's so exciting to Bitcoiners. Yeah, so you you can directly transfer money from peer to peer, and that's definitely something that uh, everyone's been wanting for a very long time. Uh, if you think about any digital transaction that you're doing, there's somebody sitting in the middle that sort of gets in the way. So if you try to, uh, if you're buying something from Amazon using a credit card, you're obviously your credit card company sits in the middle, but sometimes even Amazon sits in the middle because you're buying from a third party supplier and they sort of like extract value there. So things become more expensive when you have people sitting in the middle uh, and that are that are able to just sort of extract things. And 
unfortunately, this is the model that VCs have sort of pushed for a very long time is, you know, uh, value capture. We want companies that value capture. It essentially means like getting in the middle of transactions that people uh, are normally wanting to do. Uh, with Noster, you have this direct peer-to-peer -peer connection. And it's not something that most people are that used to, unless you've maybe bought something at a farmer's market with cash. Almost everything has some middleman uh, aspect to it. Uh, and this is something that's really exciting about Noster, is that you, you can have direct peer-to-peer -peer transactions without mm -hmm. anybody in the middle telling you, oh, you can't sell guns here or anything like that, even if you have two willing participants on both ends. Uh, you, you don't have these entities in the middle that tell you that you can't do something. Instead, it, it's completely voluntary. Um, I, I expect more sort of commerce, uh, you know, that probably gets uh, kicked off of other platforms to find its home there and so on. Um, but yeah, I, right now it's mostly used for tipping and just saying, hey, like, I, I like the content you're writing and I want to support you kind of like Patreon without Patreon. <laughs> like it's right. it's uh, getting people to support you without having this entity in the middle that's taking a 30% cut. It's uh, the app store without Apple. It's uh, right. you know uh, advertising without Google and so on. Yeah, you know, one of the things about this that I think is exciting to people is that it really does look like a true Web3 application. This is a term that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but the way that I understand it, at least the, the promise of it is basically, you know, Web1, uh, going back in the late 90s, early 2000s, essentially was a publish-only format. Yes, you could open up a text editor and create an HTML document and build your own website, but it really did uh, allow pre predominantly uh, either very sophisticated individuals who understood how to program or companies who would hire programmers to write websites for them to publish. Web 2 uh, was all about this idea uh, of being able to go up on uh, on YouTube and make your own content, go up on Facebook and post your own posts. Uh, but the challenge there is you didn't actually own that content. We found out that these third parties uh, who, as you say, sat in the middle, uh, owned the content. So you couldn't really take ownership of your content. You couldn't directly monetize it. Now, maybe, uh, you know, YouTube would pay you out some uh, click per, cost per click advertising, but it didn't really sort of belong to you directly. And the idea of Noster is really about this true Web3 functionality, the ability to own your own content, to monetize your own content, uh, and to not have intermediaries uh, who have the capacity to censor your content. Yeah, and uh, that's a great way to put it. It's it's unfortunate that Web3 has been captured by sort of like the altcoin industrial complex and they've made it uh, into, oh, you have to use this token to do that. But uh, so, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners have moved on to, I think, Web5 from Spiral or something like that. Uh, and they, they're like, okay, it's the best of Web2 and Web3. We, you know, it's this corrupted... Uh, uh, phrase, so we're, we're using something new. But the, the idea that you were presenting is exactly right. You want to be able to own your own content and you want to do bilateral transactions without a third trusted third party in the middle. And those just are way more efficient. And that's, uh, that's a fact of life. Uh, and you don't want to have people sitting in the middle that are able to censor your transaction or take a cut of your transaction or whatever. It, it, it just makes it less useful, less, um, you know, less innovation because of all the friction and so on. And we're, we're starting to see that. And this is why I am. I seem to have lost uh, Jimmy's audio. Jimmy, can you hear me? Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're back. Okay, yeah, my, uh, it looks like I, I ran out of battery on the earpiece I was using, so I'm going to take them off. And That's a great we'll... laptop microphone, though. That sounds fantastic. Okay, well, uh, if yeah, it works, sounds great. I'll, I'll, I'll use that. At, hopefully there's no echo. Uh, no, but yeah, good. The, the entire premise of, uh, of having bilateral transactions, I think, is going to be absolutely huge going forward because... That means that you can run your own business without having to open bank accounts and credit card acceptance stuff and things like that. And, uh, you know, hopefully that will, you know, that's, I, I think, one of the reasons why there's not as much entrepreneurship, because there's a huge high burden uh, for entrepreneurs to open your bank account, get a business license, get do this, that, or what, whatever. But if you look at humans, you know, we, we like to start businesses. We like providing services. If people are asking us to do something and we can charge money for it, people do it all day long. It's just that uh, the current way of doing things, especially with the monetary part, is uh, it, the 
barrier to entry is just so incredibly high that people don't do it. So that's that's unfortunate. Uh, but we're we're starting to get that back with no sir lightning Bitcoin. So. Jimmy, what the heck was Web four? <laughs> I don't think there was what Web four. Uh, the joke was with uh, the naming of Web five that. Uh, Web3 was so dirty and corrupted that they wanted some distance from it by skipping by two. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Jim, Jimmy, when people ask you, uh, for example, law enforcement, uh, what does, you know, the, what are the risks of an uncensorable internet, uh, the ability for bad actors to execute transactions bilaterally in ways that can't be censored. What's your response? What do you say to them? Yeah, um, and that you you have that with cash already, so it's it's not like it's uh, it's prevented. And in fact, that's uh, that's the way that's done. Uh, but the thing is, like uh, when when people ask about that, it's almost always without looking at the benefits. It's only looking at the downsides. So, like you know, how how are things going to get worse, and not about how how are things. Going better um and you have to look at the trade-offs the thing is uh you do have a lot more freedom with this currency but with that current freedom comes some level of responsibility and uh you know some people will abuse that uh freedom for their own ends and so on but that's okay i think i, I think the price is well worth uh you know like having a few people that are able to do some of the bad stuff the thing is like i i, I think to a large degree um you know, a lot of laws have gotten kind of lazy or law enforcement has gotten a lot pretty lazy because there's a choke point in the middle on almost every financial transaction. And if you read a lot of these laws, they almost always go through, uh, you know, have some provision in there about banks servicing these things as a way to like choke off any sort of thing that happens in a, a particular area. Um, and I, I don't think that's very honest or it, it's very effective in many ways from uh, from people trying to do evil things. So they, they, you know, they don't capture a lot of the bad guys that would be doing some of this stuff. Instead, it goes towards, um, uh, the, you know, it, they, they end up uh, preventing good people from doing potentially uh, useful things. So, mm. you know, I, 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 I understand that, you know, maybe for the law enforcement guy, they're not going to capture uh, maybe some guys or whatever. Although, you know, with better analytics or, and, you know, detective work, I'm sure they could. Uh, but, you know, the benefits that you're getting are tremendous. You get way more entrepreneurship. You get way more, uh, you know, efficiency. You get cheaper products. You get better products and so on. You know, that was exactly what I was going to ask you about it. You mentioned this idea of how things might get better for someone who's not technically minded, uh, who doesn't have a background either in computer science or economics, this idea of how things might get better. If we were to flash forward three, five, 10 years, uh, what might the world look like to you uh, where we see these improvements in a practical way uh, in terms of entrepreneurship, in terms of uh, reduced costs, in terms of efficiency? How might that play out? Yeah, I, so I, I wrote an article for Bitcoin Magazine not too long ago uh, about this very thing. Uh, and my, my feeling is that uh, big companies are completely unnatural. Like they're, they're very inefficient and anyone that's worked for a big company knows how soul-sucking it is, how you end up in a lot of pointless meetings. There's a lot of people that aren't doing very much that somehow still get paid a lot of money and so on. Um, and I think that's a symptom of sort of like the fiat system we're in and uh, the subsidization that a lot of large companies get, particularly through bailouts and commercial loans and things like that. So uh, looking further out, I, I, I see as, as fiat currencies become weaker and weaker, these large companies getting bailed out less and less or having regulations cater to their every whim and so on. And instead you get a lot more individuals trying stuff. 
uh, and getting paid for the skills that they might have and the value that they're providing to other people. So if you are a plumber, instead of, you know, uh, having to work for a large plumbing company or conglomerate or whatever, uh, you know, you're, you're much, it's much easier to sort of go off on your own and make your own business because you have, you don't need to set up a, you know, complicated bank account that's regulatorily, you know, like blocked or whatever. You just sort of do what you need to and, you know, have, uh, you know, sat have satisfied customers and you're good. Uh, and that, that's the direction I think we're going to see a lot, a uh, lot of things go is, instead of giant corporations that control everything, including policy and regulation and everything else, you're going to have uh, smaller entrepreneurs that, that sort of figure out niches in the market that are very much more local and uh, you know, cater to the tastes of the people that they're serving and so on. Uh, and you know, a lot more businesses and a lot more innovation. Uh, and that, that's sort of the situation we had under the gold standard. We had a lot more people trying different things uh, but, you know, with sort of the regulatory prompt and the ossification of lots of businesses and the zombification of a lot of businesses, we, we've uh, gotten kind of stagnant in many ways. Uh, there, you know, for all the talk of startups or whatever, you know, very few of them actually make anything useful. And you can see it in VC portfolios. You, you, you have like one winner and like 40 losers. It's, it, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, think about the waste that is like that. That's a lot of resources that are wasted, a lot of salaries that are spent on stuff that didn't produce anything. Um, that that's horribly inefficient, and uh, and I, I would submit to you that all of that could be uh, used way better by individuals that have us, you know, skin in the game because it's their own money instead of you know, uh, you know, twenty three year old MIT grad playing with you know some Silicon Valley investors' money or whatever. Jimmy, let me ask you this, shifting gears here. Uh, probably the most controversial thing that's been happening in Bitcoin in the last few months are ordinals, uh, this idea of inscribing NFTs uh, into the actual Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, this has been something of a flashpoint. First, tell us what ordinals are as you understand them. And second, tell us what your view is. Yeah, so ordinals are sort of uh, not exactly NFTs. <laughs> the idea is you embed the actual JPEG into the blockchain because there's a way to use segregated witness to embed a large chunk of data into a transaction. And as long as you pay the fees for it, a miner will mine it and so on. Uh, so this is this is a consequence for people who don't have technical backgrounds here. This mm -hmm. is a, the taproot upgrade, uh, segregated witness, segregating out the signatures. It allows you to put more, uh, a greater payload, I guess, would be the easiest way to describe it, into the actual Bitcoin blockchain. As a consequence, this has enabled the ability uh, to do this. But obviously, this is something that uh, many people find very irritating in the Bitcoin community. Yeah, it, it is, because you're literally putting a JPEG into a transaction and somebody mines it. Uh, the, the irritating part is, is that if you're running your own full node, uh, you have to download all of this stuff. And these are, you know, four megabyte files or whatever. And you, they're, they're in the blockchain and you have to keep, uh, keep you know, sort of track of it and uh, make sure uh, all of that is legit and so on, which, you know, as, as a legal Bitcoin transaction, it is. Uh, but, you know, uh, some of them are profane images. Others are just kind of silly or whatever. And people are paying money for them or what, uh, and what have you. Um, and people are continuing to mint them. Um, the, the way, you know, it, it's irritating in the sense that everyone that's running a node is in a way paying the cost by having to store all of this stuff on their node and having to process all of this stuff on their node. Um, and they're not really getting paid for it, only the miner is. Uh, but that, that's been the case for every, every uh, transaction in Bitcoin. Uh, the reason why you run a full node is so that you can verify your own stuff. Uh, now, as far as what I think of them and uh, you know how how they're going, uh, the the main thing is that uh, I think it's just dumb money going to smart money. So uh, you know they're they're the people that are sort of making the ordinals, uh, the NFTs or whatever. They're paying miners. I think there's already been about ten Bitcoin that have gone from those people to the miners, but. They're in turn sort of selling these uh, NFTs or whatever to even stupider people, in my opinion. Uh, and it's not like an NFT on any other blockchain because on Ethereum, you don't embed the entire JPEG. You 
put a pointer to the JPEG to another, you know, like a right. URL or something. Uh, th this is something that's a little bit different because Bitcoin block space is actually scarce. And there's, I guess, some perception that being able to take some of it and uh, monetize it is like, uh, you know, uh, in, in that way also scarce. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it, it seems like a fad to me. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I think one of the things that's probably upset people is that it's in the layer one blockchain itself, where, as you say, uh, block space is at a premium. I think a lot of people would probably be less concerned with it uh, if it were in a layer two, but I guess maybe that's uh, also part of the appeal. Let me ask you this, though. Uh, do you foresee there being any uh, changes to Bitcoin Core that would attempt to outlaw this or just restructure it so that there wasn't so much block space or to find a way to charge a greater premium? Uh, probably not. Um, I, I think the, the most that'll happen is, uh, is some sort of flag that lets you sort of throw away witnesses after you validate them, uh, which is perfectly fine to do, right? Uh, and there, there's already prune mode, and if you're running a node on prune mode, then you look at it once validated, and then you throw it away, um, so it doesn't pick up hard drive space or whatever. Um, that that would probably be the extent to which uh, you know the core software might change as an option to you know like basically not keep it around forever. Uh, but if you want a full archival node, this will be part of the permanent thing. Now, would would you necessarily restrict it? Well, there there's already like a you know a, a block size limit for a reason, and it's right. to prevent sort of these things from getting out of hand and you you only need to look at something like bitcoin sv to see that you know if you allow essentially unlimited block space then those unlimited block spaces get completely full i think they had like gigabyte blocks or something like that for a while and it's completely you can't run one of those nodes without some insanely high-end hardware with a lot of hard drive space so uh, you know, that that's, uh, you know, we sort of thought of this a while ago and it's, yeah. uh, you know, the limits are already there for a reason. So I, I, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue. Yeah, this was a huge conversation back in 2017 uh, for those mm -hmm. of us who've been in the space for some time. Uh, Jimmy, I want to ask you about this story because I imagine you probably have something to say about it. Uh, in an interview with Bloomberg, Augustin Karstens, the head of the Bank for International Settlement, said fiat currency has won the battle against crypto. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of people who would take exception to that. Uh, the BIS, for those who don't know, is an international institution used by central banks to transact with one another. Uh, Karstens thinks the argument has been settled and that last year's high-profile crypto meltdowns have settled it. Uh, he said, quote, the battle has been won. A technology doesn't make for trusted money. Uh, this comes after a BIS report earlier this week, which said a majority of retail investors who bought Bitcoin in 2015 have lost money. I guess they did that based on the on the structure of the average weighted uh, buy-in price versus the current price. Uh, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on all of this? Uh, just lies, lies, and more lies. Uh, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, back in the day when, you know, I was doing more startups and stuff like that, there would always be like players in the market that would claim that they've already won a particular segment as a way to get your business when that, of, of course, hadn't, hadn't happened. It's, it's, it's always like a good marketing move to seem like you've already won when you haven't. And a lot of people will claim that as part of their marketing pitch. And that, that's what this sounds like to me. Uh, I, I, I mean, are you really surprised that, you know, like he's saying something like this? It'd be kind of like asking a, you know, Manchester United fan, who's the, who's the best uh, Premier League team? And okay, uh, no question, it's Manchester United. Of course, that's what they're going to say. That, that's just uh, like, it, it's such a, an obviously biased take that it's hard to take seriously at all. Um, and, you know, like that other article is just straight up inaccurate. If you want a 2015 at any time, you're up massively, uh, you know, even accounting for all of the inflation that's been happening in the fiat, different fiat currencies. So, uh, it, you know, it's just a lot of lies. And this is, this is how the game of propaganda works is, uh, you know, you, you say things uh, to kind of get their attention. It's actually kind of bad propaganda because it's so obviously falsifiable. Um, and, yeah, sadly, that that's that's the direction they seem to be going in with uh, with the money.
Let me just read through some other stories here real quick. Uh, Reuters reports that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, as well as New York's top financial regulator and attorney general, have all opposed the bid by Binance U.S. for Voyager Digital. Binance U.S. is offering $1 billion for the bankrupt digital lender's assets. In a court filing, the SEC said the deal could violate the laws around offering and selling unregistered securities. The SEC also pointed to ongoing investigations into Binance, the global crypto exchange. Binance maintains Binance US is an independent entity. Neither Binance nor Voyager have responded to requests for comment from Reuters. Some other stories here on the NFT front. Decrypt reports that a U.S. district court has preliminarily determined that NBA top shot NFTs are probably unregistered securities. The judgment was made to determine whether a lawsuit against the top shot creator, Dapper Labs, should go forward. The judge used the Howey test and concluded that those specific NFTs appear to meet the definition of a security. In a statement to Decrypt, Dapper Labs said that this is not a final ruling and that the courts have repeatedly found that consumers, consumer goods are not securities. Finally, the defiant says that tokenized stocks and bonds are gaining traction, starting with the Berlin-based regulated exchange Swarm is allowing retail and institutional investors the option to buy and borrow crypto against tokenized stocks and bond ETFs. Swarm is initially offering tokenized Tesla and Apple stocks, as well as a couple of U.S. Treasury ETFs that are available on the Polygon blockchain. Jimmy, I know none of this is Bitcoin. Any thoughts on what's happening uh, more broadly out there? Obviously, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is uh, it seems that SEC uh, has given Bitcoin this carve out that they have not allowed any other digital asset. Uh, the idea that it is not a security that's probably a commodity. Again, this is based on past statements. Uh, I know neither of us are lawyers uh, here, uh, but what are your thoughts on that more broadly? Well, I, I do know that Gary Gensler actually taught a course at MIT on Bitcoin, and I listened to some of those lectures, and he's actually he actually really understands it on a very technical level. Uh, so I think he gets that Bitcoin is actually decentralized, and all of this other stuff. If you you know sold a pre mine, if you <laughs> issued an ICO, something like that. These are very security-like things, right? And uh, and that that's I think uh, the very rational sort of like reasonable stance that he's taken, which is that okay, Bitcoin, not those things, but you know Ethereum, Cardano, whatever, all all of this stuff that that's uh, you know issuing um, uh, these things and having people pay for them, um, you know, there, there's definitely something very uh, securities-like on those. Now, there, there's a lot of people on Capitol Hill that are saying he's like, uh, you know, only out for power. And that may all be true, but I think the argument is pretty straight up forward, uh, straightforward and uh, pretty understandable. If you issued, uh, a, you know, something like an ICO or and collected money for it, you know, and uh, it, it sounds like it passes the Howey test. Now, how, how are you going to put that on their securities uh you know, legislation, I'm, I'm not really sure, uh, but uh, it is something that regulators are going to have to think about because a lot of crypto has been an end around the SEC regulations and it's uh, all under this banner of we're decentralized so you can't regulate us. And basically they're pushing back and saying, you are, uh, you are actually centralized and you're not gonna keep going, uh, keep doing this end around us. Uh, and we're we're going to make you pay. So um, yeah, we'll see where this battle goes. But that's where that's where it seems like the battle is headed. We've got some questions from our viewers in just a second. But I wanted to ask you this, Jimmy. I'm literally looking at a Real Vision Slack channel uh, right now, and someone at Real Vision has just asked me this question to ask you, uh, which is, Jimmy, what do you see the ultimate utility being for Bitcoin? Is it a store of value? Is it an inflation hedge, or is it a payments processing platform? I guess one of the answers could be all of the above. Well, I, I think it's sound money and it's, uh, it's, it's sound money, sound digital money and something that we've never had before. And it's an amazing store of value. And, uh, you know, I think I've talked about this with you before, but, you know, in the economy today, we don't have very many good stores of value. You have stocks, real estate, maybe gold, that's about it. And all of them have different problems. You have tremendous transaction costs with real estate. 
uh, a lot of taxability with real estate. You have lots and lots of different stocks and all sorts of risk with, uh, you know, the CEO embezzling something or them getting into a wrong line of business and all, all, all sorts of things like that. And gold, obviously, I think has a lot of manipulation uh, attached to it. So the, the, they're all sort of not good. And when you have uh, an actual store of value like Bitcoin, that's, uh, it's, it's way better in all of those uh, aspects. The transaction costs are much lower. Um, you actually own it. You're not uh, subject to sort of like uh, market, uh, you know, uh, whims uh, like you are with a company and so on. And uh, and there's no real paper gold that or paper Bitcoin. I mean, there might be, but uh, I, I, you know, as you showed earlier, uh, most of the Bitcoin is actually being held by private individuals. It looks like, and they've been dormant for a while because they're they are using it as a store of value. So. To me, that that's sort of like the first function, and uh, you know, it, we'll we'll get to the second function, which is method of payment when merchants demand it, because all the other uh, you know sort of met, uh, currencies are so weak against it, and they they're hyperinflating or something like that. And you you see this like in uh, Lebanon, for example. I was there like a month ago, and every merchant wants the they they and if they do take the Lebanese pound, they they want to get rid of it as soon as possible, like you know, sometimes in the middle of the day. Uh, so, you know, that that's what it's going to take to get to that level. And eventually, I think as a result, it'll be a unit of account. But uh, right now, uh, I think store of value is the major function. And eventually, it'll be sound money. It'll, it'll be a better money than anything that we've ever had. Hey, everyone, we're gonna take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Jimmy, what do you see as some of the potential risks of Bitcoin? Uh, obviously, right now, Bitcoin is trading about two-thirds down uh, from its high, almost exactly. Uh, what are some of the risks you see, and how do you uh, frame that, particularly as a, as a method of a unit of account or uh, transaction currency when, you, when you've seen uh, this volatility in the space? I mean, the volatility's always been there. I, I mean, I'm I'm a old veteran of this stuff. You know, 2011, it went from a dollar to thirty dollars, back to like two dollars. You know, that that that's that that was a way bigger volatile spike than anything that we've had recently. It, it, comparatively speaking, this is not that bad. <laughs> like, like, you know, I, I probably sound like the old man, like sort of about young kids today you know they, they don't know what a bear market is uh but it's kind of true it's uh, they they really don't uh and it's it, it was uh much worse uh earlier on but that's that's part of it is that uh if you're expecting this thing to just go up and to the right at a slow steady rate like there's no asset in the world like that that just doesn't exist you what what people are asking for is uh all of of the upside with none of the volatility and if right. an asset like that existed everyone would be in on it and like that arbitrage would go away and it would be like treasury bonds very quickly so you know they, they, it's 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 part of the whole um you know uh yeah it, 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 it's it's risk and upside there it's sort of two sides of the same coin that's that's the way I see. I guess if I were playing devil's advocate here, I would say uh, the one asset that's had less volatility has been U.S. dollars. Obviously, we saw some pretty significant inflation during COVID, uh, but uh, you know, never got above. I guess this is controversial when you look at uh, people who question the way that CPI is getting measured. Uh, but still, uh, we didn't have double-digit uh, hyperinflation here in the United States, and so it did decline uh, against the dollar. If you'd if you'd had uh, dollars. Uh, in the shorter term, you would have been better insulated. That's, I guess, the devil's advocate argument, at least. Yeah, and if you want to, you know, hold some money for very short term, that, that's that's a perfectly fine position. And you know, if if uh, you know you need to pay rent or something like that, I wouldn't hold it for Bitcoin for the next month. Uh, but if you're holding for five years, this is this is what store of value is about. 
then uh, Bitcoin has always done better than all of these. Uh, you know, like five years ago was what, 2018? Any time in 2018, the price was below what it is today, 20, uh, 24,000. It's uh, it was significantly below that uh, at, at certain points. So I, 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 don't, uh, I don't subscribe to this view that, uh, you know, uh, holding dollars is better for the long term. I don't think anyone would argue that really. Uh, the, there's, you know, different sort of uh, time scales that you have to look at. Right. And given that a lot of stuff is pissed in dollar, maybe it makes sense for a little bit of it. Yeah, so essentially what you're saying is it's really about your time scale when you zoom out uh, far enough. And I think the charts bear this out on Bitcoin. Uh, if you do, if you, is there a five-year period, for example, uh, where you've invested in Bitcoin and lost money? I don't think that's the case. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And you, there hasn't been. And that's, uh, that's one of the remarkable properties about it. Uh, and this is what makes it an incredible store of value. Now, we only have, uh, what is it, uh, 14 years of history at this point. Right. Uh, but, you know, as, as we get towards 20, I think more, many more people will be coming on board. And at that point, maybe like the drops won't be what, what, like 67% right now. Um, and I think it hit almost 80 or something. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be a 60% drawdown or whatever. But, you know, if you look at Bitcoin's history, most of its life is spent like uh, at least uh, 30 or 40 or 60% below the previous high. And that's okay. That's, that's, that's how volatile or like monetizing assets uh, kind of look like. And that's okay. That's that's a normal thing. Uh, it's it's only fiat currencies that have a central bank that manage sort of the peg to the dollar and keep it less volatile. And those things blow up on a regular basis. So I don't think you want to be that. Yeah, I should say, of course, not financial advice, not an endorsement of Bitcoin uh, from me. Uh, but when I'm talking to Jimmy, Jimmy brings out my inner Bitcoin or whatever I have in this conversation with him. Um, speaking of uh, some of the topics we covered earlier, I wanted to show a quick clip uh, of a conversation on Real Vision. This is our co-founder, Rao Powell, speaking with Dan Sickles, an award-winning independent filmmaker. Uh, this will be available for access tomorrow at realvision.com forward slash crypto. Let's take a look at a snippet. The image of the Statue of Liberty, it means so much. Like, what price tag would the United States of America put on, on that statue? Is it even possible, right? And the value of that meme has outperformed the entire, all of the value of the American economy, potentially, right? Um, and I think that like there, there's, there's something to consider in that and how great art constantly outperforms well-performing currency. Um, you know, and, and we already sort of speak to ourselves in these tokenized ways. If, if you tell me that you own a Monet, I, I can probably assume a few things about you as, as a collector and also potentially as, as, you know, your, your, your resources too. Right. Um, so I think that all these things are really converging when we talk about NFTs, but, but memes, I mean, there, there's so many people who do a really good job at this, including Richard Dawkins, right? But um, they're, they're just like, these, they're very potent forms of expression, right? That you can almost quickly glance at them and connect with a meaning. A lot of them are fractured and mean lots of different things for lots of people, like Pepe the Frog, right? Um, but the idea is that there are sort of all of these intangibles surrounding these memes very often like Pepe the Frog. You see Pepe and you have all these different associations, but there's no real way to value them. And what NFTs are also playing with is the idea on creating a meme economy based on a meme. That, that's really where, where Pepe's specifically comes from. But, you know, everything, religion is a meme, right? I mean, most things, everything, Absolutely. human society is put together by these narratives that we construct to tell ourselves certain, what we believe are truths, it's all me. It's all narrative. It's all narrative. Absolutely. I mean, people, people would ride into battle with holding a cross, you know, um, and, and that, that sort of tells you, tells you everything. People, people also sport Supreme t-shirts. And I think that that's really what NFTs, NFTs specifically are, are really like leaning towards. All right, we're back. Jimmy, we've got some great questions coming into us uh, from our viewers and listeners. What do you say? You want to take a dive into them? Let's do it. Okay, first question comes from Akshat M on the Real Vision website. Uh, do we suspect Bitcoin to increase its dominance in terms of total market cap of the crypto market cap? It is at 
44% for a very long time now. Yeah, that's a, that's a very um, hard question to answer because market cap is very easily manipulable. Uh, if you issue a new token and you know there's like a billion tokens and it trades at a dollar, you just added a billion to the total you know, denominator of this uh, dominance index. Um, I, I, I don't really know how much sort of gamification there can be, uh, but I, I suspect there's at least a significant amount of it currently, which is why it's probably held around there for a while. Um, you know, the, the real metric to sort of look at, at with all of this stuff is uh, the liquidity of this stuff. Uh, you know, if you sold, uh, you know, a significant amount of any of these uh, altcoins, I, I think the price would collapse way quicker than if you sold the same amount of Bitcoin. So there, there's a, you know, each, the dominance index is sort of comparing apples to oranges because without liquidity, you're not really uh, able to compare the two very fairly because, you know, uh, a $10 million dump on, uh, you, know, uh, you know, coin number 25 is probably going to sink it very low. $10 million dump on Bitcoin is not going to do anything. So, you know, the resilience of the market cap of each coin is, uh, is not really factored into that number. So I, 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 I'm not sure where it'll go, but I do think it's too gameable to be something that you can make accurate predictions on. Okay, here's an interesting question from YouTube. Old Man's Bills, uh, BTC asks if stacks doesn't kill bitcoin will it make it stronger uh jimmy explain to our viewers first uh, who don't know what stacks is uh what it is and then get your view on it yeah stacks is sort of like an altcoin that tries to affiliate itself with bitcoin by claiming that it's built on bitcoin but despite that they still have to issue their own token and so on I, I mean, I, I don't think Stacks kills or does anything to Bitcoin. It's a completely irrelevant project as far as I'm concerned. Uh, despite whatever Balaji or Muni might say, I, I, I don't find it interesting. I don't think it does anything interesting. And all of the stuff that they claim is sort of like a Bitcoin infinity scam. They're trying to take Bitcoin's good name and apply it to themselves when it doesn't apply to them at all. All right, here's a fun question that's not about Bitcoin per se, and I'm curious about your answer to it. This comes from Erickson on YouTube. Uh, does Jimmy hodl any precious metals? I know you've, I've heard you talk about gold before uh, and use it as a metaphor uh, for the uh, sort of non-digital version of Bitcoin, but do you hodl any precious metals? Well, I have a gold tooth back here, um, so that I guess that counts. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't have any other <laughs> precious metals besides the gold tooth that I have in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, great conversation. Uh, give us your final thoughts, your key takeaways that you'd like to leave our audience with. Well, I, the, the key thing that I, I would like to emphasize, and this is uh, seemingly the same thing that I say every time on the show, is that there's a big difference between Bitcoin and altcoins. And that's, uh, that's something that you know, we, we've been talking about throughout this hour. And it's that uh, Bitcoin is decentralized, actually decentralized. Um, and I think that even the SEC is recognizing that. And all coins are centralized, uh, whether they have an issuer or a technical team that uh, decides on hard forks or whatever. Um, you know, th and those two things are very different. And it's the same difference that you see between, uh, say, something like Twitter versus Noster, uh, where you have a central party that controls a lot of stuff or you don't have a central party at all and you can sort of publish your own thing. So um, until you really understand that, uh, it's, it's going to be a difficult road. And you know, on a long time scale, Bitcoin does way better against all coins for that reason. Um, and I suspect the same will happen with Noster versus Twitter as well. And uh, you know, we, I, I'm looking forward to sort of the more decentralized web that, uh, that I've been looking for for at least 25 years, and hopefully your viewers will appreciate as it comes forward. Hey, Jimmy, let me ask you one final question here. Uh, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about Bitcoin for people who are not in the community is the idea that Bitcoin is essentially a static entity, they think. They don't realize there's a tremendous amount of ongoing development in the space. Uh, is there anything that you uh, see coming down the pike uh, with Bitcoin that you find particularly exciting in terms of new development or anything else you'd like to point out about the direction in which Bitcoin is going for the future? 
I, I mean, we can have a whole separate hour to talk about all the new developments that are happening, including you know, um, uh, state chains and uh, lightning improvements. And, um, you know, there, there's even new sidechain proposals and things like that. Uh, but, you know, there, there's the, the reason why these aren't talked about in, the, in on, I guess, crypto Twitter or whatever is because there's no one going out there and trying to sell a token. Uh, if you're selling a token about something, then you're obviously going to market the heck out of it and make it sound like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, but, you know, the Bitcoin developers, they're, they're, they just sort of build stuff and, uh, you know, see, see how to make it more and more useful, kind of like how Noster has been developing. Uh, so for me, that, that's, that's the big difference, and that's why you're not hearing about it. And it's, it's a lot like uh, sort of like scientific advancements that you hear about in the news, uh, stuff like quantum nanotech or cold fusion. Uh, those will never happen. And it's because they, they feel the need to continuously market their stuff. Uh, and if you want more of a red pill on that, there's a lot of articles that I can share with you. And maybe that's another conversation for another day. Uh, but if you feel the need to constantly market sort of like technical achievements, it, it tends to be kind of scam. That, that's been a pretty good metric to measure for me. Jimmy, I love this idea of another conversation for another day, because obviously there's a lot more for us to discuss. Uh, we'd love to have you back again soon. Uh, always a pleasure when you join us, Jimmy. Thank you again. Thank you. Uh, by the way, for those of you watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, and hit all the notification buttons. That way you will stay up to date with all the latest crypto news and analysis. If you're not a Real Vision Crypto subscriber yet, don't forget, it's free. Head to realvision.com forward slash crypto, and there's more content coming your way. Join us for Rao Pal's special AMA at 5 p.m. Eastern time today. We'll be back tomorrow with JD Cord from Launch Nodes, who will join us live. See you at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern time, 5 p.m. London, live on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Have a great afternoon, everybody.